All right, welcome. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. It's Friday night. You know what that means, right? Alien interview. That's right. We're going to talk about that some more. We're almost done with it. We only have about an hour left of the uh, of the uh, uh, video to go over. Who knows how long that'll take, right? Welcome, Denise. Welcome, and and Angela. Is it Angela? Angela. Yeah. See. Kirkpatrick, that's a good Scottish-Irish name there, right? So welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Friday. We're going to go hop right into it. I'm not going to take too much time, but please share this out, share this out, share this out. I used to spam and share it out and get a lot more people in here, but I uh, I stopped doing this. I kept getting into, um, into Facebook jail, right? So I figure that if I don't share it out to four or five or ten different groups and just have you guys share it out once, you know, we'll get it, we'll get some people in here. And those people who are going to show up will show up, right? So yeah, good evening, Cheryl. Good evening in Maine, right? It's it's afternoon here, not quite evening yet, four o'clock. But you on the further east are further ahead in time, right? We're the we're the back in time. The only people behind us is is Alaska and Hawaii, right? <laughs> I'm out here in California. Right. So we're the end of the line for the day. We're the last ones to tick the day off where everybody else goes. It's tomorrow everywhere else. Just about. Right. Yeah, That's crazy. But you know what? I've lived out here on the West Coast of America my whole life. So for me, I'm used to it. But it's funny because we don't get up, especially if you're a millennial. I'm not, but I act like it. I don't get up until about 11 o'clock, 1130. Uh, and, you know, that's like, what is that? 230 East Coast time, right? <laughs> Everybody's getting ready for brunch or lunch, and I haven't even cracked an eyelid yet, right? But, you know, I also stay up later. So I'm up until 2 or 3 a.m., which is 5 and 6 a.m. when everybody's just getting up on the East Coast. I'm going to bed, right? That's just kind of the way it's worked out. I, my whole life, I was going to bed at, at you know 11 p.m. at the latest and getting up at 4.30 a.m. every day to go to work, you know, except for the days where I was closing as a manager. Then I would sleep in a little bit later, but still, right? craziness. So I'm kind of cool with the idea of being retired and being able to set my own schedule. Kind of like it. Wouldn't mind if I had more money, though, but I kind of like it. Okay, so Alien Wayne, welcome. I got a warning today from Facebook. See, <laughs> just commenting. Uh, who gives uh, uh, who gives that to right? So I mean, yeah. I mean, sometimes if you comment too many times, you get a warning, right? I mean, I just went and was hitting like on um, people who were sending me invites, like my page or like this or like that, and I was going down, going, okay, like, 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 and then I got a warning. Uh, you can't do that anymore today uh, because you know I guess they want to make sure I wasn't a robot or something. I was like, well, there's a limit now. Or is it just those of us, Melissa, welcome, or if it's just those of us who are, uh, for some reason, you know, deemed against the algorithm, right? I don't hear it from uh, from progressives. I don't hear any, anything from them saying, you know, I have, I posted some stuff and I got put in jail and now I can't post for a week. I never hear that from anybody. And, and usually when it is, it's somebody who was, a, a, you know, a full-on liberal or a full-on progressive, and they kind of strayed back towards the moderate side and started posting the, something they thought was moderate. But to the ultra left, it's it's not anymore. It's considered right. So then they get into trouble. And they go, what is this about? And I'm like, welcome. You voted for this. You put these people in charge. And now look what they're doing, right? <clears throat> yeah, they've lost their minds. Absolutely. 
right? And they just keep losing their minds all over again. And we don't even have to do anything. That's the crazy part about it is nobody has to really do anything. They just lose their minds. If there's nothing for them to lose their minds over, they just go back to the orange guy and start saying his name over and over and over like a, like their, uh, uh, you know, um, butthead when he gets into, I am Cornholio. Are you threatening me? And they just, they just they start freaking out, right? He goes, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, Trump. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Trump, are you threatening me? Give me TP. Give me TP for my Trump hole. And they just freak and they just do it on their own. And you know, I'm waiting for, for you know, Butthead to go, dude, calm down, Beavis. Yeah. Don't make me smack you again, bro. Get a hold of yourself. Let's go break something. <laughs> Trump, ah, are you threatening me? Right? It's just hilarious. Fire, 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 fire. Orange guy, orange guy. Blue man, no, orange man. A fire. You know, and they just freak. <laughs> it's hilarious to watch it happen. When there's nothing else going on, they just start going, it's Trump's fault. It's got to be Trump's fault. He did something. I know he did. It's Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump. And they just say that overnight. So what's hilarious is you can't say, right, uh, let's play, the, let's play the, the card game, right? Well, I, I trump that. No, no, they won't do that. You can't even trump up charges anymore, right? But you can say Trump when it becomes like the, the devil, right? Lucifer's new name is Trump. <laughs> you don't have to say the devil anymore. All you have to do is say the orange guy and people start going, orange man is the heat miser guy from that cartoon, right? Uh, Mr. Heat miser. No wait, That's Giorgio Sucolos. He's got the hairdo, right? He's got that hairdo that that guy had on that. The, the heat miser. He doesn't look, look like him a lot, but he, you know, if you take the Von Daniken, there's a picture where they dressed up as each other for Halloween. If you look at that picture of Von Daniken when he had the hairdo for Giorgio Sucolos, and then you, you know, superimpose that uh, cartoon, uh, uh, claymation cartoon with um, uh, um, Rudolph, where they were trying to, you trying to get snow in Southtown for a winter. So they had to go and talk to Mother Nature, and the, her sons. One was the fire uh, miser, and the other one, or heat miser, and the other one was frost, right? Frost miser, so or freeze miser. So they had to go and talk to each one of them to get them to to to, you know, can, to uh, agree on, on stuff, and they wouldn't, but he, he looks like that. So every time I see that, or or Trump with his orange face and orange head, I, th I always think if you take that hair from up top and you pat it down into that comb over that he's got going on, which nobody can even see where it begins or ends, which is crazy. My mother was a hairdresser, and every time she sees him, she goes, look at that hair. <laughs> What's going on with that, man? Like, you know, mom looks like his comb over starts on his right ear and kind of goes up and around his head once and swirls back down the others. I'm not quite sure, man. I just know that there's a portion of it that shoots up when the wind gets going. It's almost look like a fin sticking up, going to catch the wind or something, right? Um, but yeah, I would love to see that thing comb straight down. It would be crazy to look at where his bald spots are, where they start and where they stop. <laughs> Right, Joe Biden. I love that. Joe Biden is the Antichrist, but he can't remember that he is. Wayne, that's brilliant. <laughs> Wait, I'm who? Prince of Darkness? Okay. Ah. <laughs> I know, right? Why are you digging on T-Man? Just because I was getting in a funny mood, and I, and I thought about the heat miser, and I thought I was talking about how, uh, how when there's nothing going on, uh, how the media just like starts yelling his name, <laughs> right? They work themselves into a frenzy by by just saying his name, right? And that's that's where I got started, and then I started laughing about his comb over, and I mean, then look at like Joe Biden with his comb over. That guy has more hair right now than he did 25 years ago. That's not a joke. You can look that up. It's hilarious. So he obviously got some hair plugs in the front so he could comb it back over that bald spot he's got going on, right? <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, right. So, yeah, they need the ratings. So they have to start throwing his name back out there for people to tune in. What? What? This just in. Donald Trump. Ah, trigger, 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 trigger. Burn shit down. Burn shit. Oh, no, that's happening. Never mind. Never mind that now. Right? You got a problem? It's it's it's, it's Trump. Donald Trump's fault. Yeah, it has to be. He had a heart attack? Trump. Trump. Your kid's hooked on Oxy? Trump. Trump. Trump, Trump, Trump. That's all they can say. It's it's like the, you see that commercial where they go free, 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 right? They're selling some insurance or something, right? Free, 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 free. And then the, the, you know, the, the news now just says Trump. There's no other word in their vocabulary and it means every word. They go Trump, Trump, Trump. It was like Trey Parker and his, and his uh, boyfriend did in um, basketball where they were sitting there and they had an entire conversation just saying the word dude and changing the uh, the tone and an affliction of the way they said dude. And they had a whole conversation sitting on this uh, down in the dugout. It was hilarious. And they just said dude back and forth to one another. And that's what the news agency does now. They come on and they go, this just in, Trump, 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 Trump. And then somebody responds to that. Trump, 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 Trump. Trump, and that's the whole conversation, right? <laughs> the entire conversation, it's hilarious. They showed that one day where, not too long ago, when they were schlepping for that guy in whatever that state is that he lost, that the Republicans won. Um, was it Jersey? There was a couple out there that they lost. It was one of them where the guy was was just like full on, uh, you know, and then, and then Joe came and schlepped for him and, Camel toe came and slept for him, and all they said was, and even and even uh, uh, Barack Hussein came and slept for him, and all they said was Trump, 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 and they showed it on Fox how many times they said Trump over and over, and then the news repeated it: Trump, 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 Trump. I think it's funny. It's hilarious, man. It is. It, you just trigger people now by saying that word. That's why I keep saying it over and over because anybody who here who gets triggered, they've already changed the channel on me already, probably reporting this as spam because I'm saying that word, right? Can't even say his name. It's, it's stricken. Somebody said, so let that be written. Now draw a line through it. Strike that from all the records, from all the halls and all of the pyramids around the world and all the obelisks. Strike that name out. In fact, Put scratches there so people know it wasn't a mistake. <laughs> right? Chisel out a, a deep trough so people know that it didn't just fall off any road, that it was chiseled out. Make sure people know never to say that word again. Strike it from all human existence. Anyone who says it, it's a felony, a triple felony. You're going to go to prison for the rest of your life. And every time you say it, you get electrocuted and then rotted and then add another 100 years to your sentence. <laughs> Right? Yeah. That's why they pay people 450000 for their kids. Yeah, right? Seriously. For, you know, what is that? Uh, 45,000 missing immigrant children missing. They don't know where they are, right? Yeah. Oh, I, we don't know where they are. They're in chains. Most of them are probably women, and they're having sex now, getting paid. You know, people are paying to buy them and have sex with them. Right? I'm sure that's what happened with those guys. I mean, let's be serious about the whole situation. These people go missing. Uh, some of these people who you never notice it's always the pretty ones. They don't normally take men when, when this happens unless they need somebody to do something where they're working or or they like boys. Otherwise, it's the pretty girls that keep going missing. Hmm. As Arsenio Hall used to say back in the 80s and 90s, things that make you go, hmm, right? 
Yeah, more than I know, more than likely, that's what that's what sucks, Melissa. Is that's the, probably more of the truth of of what is unfortunately happening to these people, and we'll get to the bottom of that, right? Little boys gag, right? We'll get to the bottom of all that eventually. Um, you know, we'll see what happens in the future, but right now we just have to do what we can. So, so getting away from uh, politics now, right? <laughs> Let's go and get into the alien interview we picked up I, I stopped it right at the three minute mark i think i went to the end of the paragraph because they were talking about um mind control over people and then they were segueing into the templar night so i ended that paragraph so it's about three minutes and 20 seconds or something uh, or three hours and 27 seconds or something uh that we're going to start at and that starts with the the templar knights and then um, she, she starts moving into showing how they were i'm pretty sure probably going to show how they were mind wiping people and brainwashing people as well because remember we just went over that last week where basically she had uh errol the alien had made sure that everything that was in any way positive spiritually for the human race was in her mind she meticulously picked them all apart as a conspiracy theory put there by the powers that should not be and that remember it was contradictory because she said they wouldn't let anything from the old empire be here because it might break our conditioning but everything that we have is is from the old empire uh, is a remnant of the old empire but Right. And then she says the system's breaking down, uh, but yet we can't ever possibly imagine escaping and it wouldn't actually happen. And they can't get their people out either. Three thousand five hundred of them that got captured and they're here as well uh, because they don't know how to reverse the, the thing. Yet early on, she claimed that it wears off. And that's why they had to shorten our life expectancy so that they could then get us brainwashed all over again faster. Right. So there's this great, vast contradiction in what she's saying. And that's one of the reasons that it motivated me to do this and talk about this, not to debunk the fact that this is a real alien and this is a real conversation that I believe is happening. Right. So that's the scary, freaky out part of it is that she's actually given us some good shit. And that's what I'm trying to find and squeak and glean the stuff from what she's not saying. And that's sort of a profession of mine, uh, you know, that I've been doing over the years, paying attention to what people are doing and saying, because I have been in charge of uh, a lot of propaganda and what would be called propaganda. And we would be we would call it, uh, you know. Uh, getting information out to people, to free uh, people. Um, but that would be considered propaganda by those people who write the history. So if you don't win a war, you're a terrorist <laughs> and you need to be put to death. But if you win the war, you're a patriot and you get awards. That's the risk, right? So, okay, here we go. Let's go ahead. And I'm going to add this to the screen and get my ugly mug off the screen there. 1119 A.D., Oh, and it started right away. Okay, so 1119 AD, the Templar Knights. Oh, and I just screwed it up, didn't I? I hit the damn button. The old Empire planetary headquarters. Hold on, I gotta get us back where we were. Because I hit the wrong button and all the way back to the beginning. I apologize for that. We'll be back in order here. Cellular two seven first. There we go. 1135 to 1230 AD, the Domain Expeditionary force completed the annihilation of the remaining remnants of the old empire space fleet operating in the solar system around earth unfortunately their long established thought control operation remains largely intact 1307 a.d the knights templar was disbanded by king philip iv of france who was deeply in debt to the order he pressured pope clement v See, so I think we were a little bit past this, but we'll let it go anyway. Have them arrested, tortured them into giving false confessions, and burned them at the stake in an effort to erase his. 
debt by seizing all of their wealth. The majority of the Templars fled to Switzerland where they established an international banking system which secretly controls the economy of Earth. Old empire operatives act as an unseen influence on international bankers. The banks are operated covertly as an uncombatant provocateur to covertly promote and finance weapons and warfare between the nations of Earth. Warfare is an internal mechanism of control over the inmate population. The purpose of the senseless genocide and carnage of wars financed by these international banks is to prevent the ISBEs of Earth from sharing open communication, cooperate together in activities that might enable ISBEs to prosper, become enlightened, and escape their imprisonment. Okay, see, that's where we actually ended, and I backed it up. So we're cool right here. Uh, and yes, uh, Angela, they have full control over humans. That's the banking system does. Yes, I mean, well, the truth know. is, our debt is our chains, is our slave chains. It's debt. Right? I wrote a book about that. It's called How to Get Out of Debt Surviving in the 21st Century. And I, and I talk about that in there. I don't go really into a lot of details. Yeah, actually, I do. But I don't go into the details of the politics involved in the corruption that is the, you know, the, the different Fed, Federal Reserve banks uh, and the credit system. Now, all of that was set up by the Temple Knights, right? So what, the, what she was saying there about the Templar Knights and them being disbanded and why is the truth. They had more money and power than the Pope and the King of France combined at that point. And both of the Pope and the King of France were both indebted. Two, they borrowed money from the Templars to, to the, especially France, to fight a war, to finance a war. So, well, well, see, Wayne, uh, um, we're not a slave planet. We're not. We're not. We haven't been created by anyone as slave labor. We're not a penal colony. That's the little bit of lie in the truth. Okay, and if you've ever um, actually read any of the texts that were taken out of um, the current Bibles around the world. You would understand that those texts explain what's going on if you listen to the law of one or read the law of one or listen to uh, me for two years and 10 months uh, every Friday night doing the law of one and breaking down every session like I'm doing with the uh, arrow here. You would understand that the truth is we're not. I mean, everything is based on on Zachariah Stitchin's uh, uh, translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And he was wrong. And that's been proven by ling linguistic doctors doctors of, of, of language who have completely uh, understood and do understand the Mesopotamian language because they wrote dictionaries that explain what all of their words mean, okay? And um, they've pr proven over and over in the past 10 years that, that his translation, the word Anunnaki, isn't a real word. It doesn't mean those from the heavens came. He took, uh, he took uh, the uh, Mesopotamian words that were written down, he thought were three words, they were only two. Okay, so he broke them into three parts because he saw the word Anu. And he knew from Babylonian lore that Anu was a god. So he assumed because Mesopotamia and Babylon took place at the same time, 
not completely respectively, but they overlapped with one another. And literally the Mesopotamian countryside became the Babylonian countryside when the Greeks took over there. So, uh, which then was converted to Muslim, which that's when you had Babylon. So the, so the whole, the whole thing was intermingled. So he assumed, Zacharias Ditchin assumed that the word Anu in that phrase was the God Anu. So he took that step and said, and then looked up and figured out the word key meant comes. So then the, so the na must have been uh, the, from, you know, from heaven or something like that. Cause it was saying God and you came. So he assumed that the other word meant something like came from heaven. Right. And the actual translation is two words. It's anuna and the word key. One word, first word, anuna, and second word, ki. The first word, anuna, means royalty or prince. Not God, not from heaven, just prince. The royal, the royal man came. Okay, so the, nowhere in here is trying to tell you that this entity flew a spaceship or any other thing from the heavens and came to the earth. It literally is, and then the royal king or prince came to our city. Okay, so the translation was completely wrong, and they know that it's wrong, and they know it's been proven wrong by many, many people around the world over and over and over again, but it doesn't fit the narrative of the ancient aliens that we might be a slave labor race, because they're pushing that narrative. Right, it's draconian, and they're they're pushing that narrative over and over again, and they have been. Now, don't get me wrong; I'm not an ancient aliens debunker, because I I own, I created, and own the ancient aliens worldwide. The lar first group on Facebook called Ancient Aliens, by the way, other than their uh, Ancient Aliens page for the History Channel, which I asked permission for, and I give credit to them for giving me permission back in the day. Now they don't care. And I'm also the largest. That group has 200, over 280,000 members in it. So we, we, I created that back in 2012, and we have been a think tank and a, and a uh, an information gathering platform uh, to educate the entire world. But we don't press the narrative, which is a, a lie, that we were born uh, as a slave labor race or created as a slave labor race or a penal colony. Um, that's just not true. All of that is a lie. And you can find that by reading history, and this is the stuff they tried to eradicate, not the stuff that they that they want you to find to prove their case. This is the stuff they don't want you to find because it disproves everything they're trying to tell you, as including um, the law of one. In the law of one, raw, an alien species, war is warning us from the very beginning that there's a group of people that are evil that come from the, the uh, Orion belt area of the nebula, and they call themselves the Orion Crusaders. Or in this case with Errol, they call themselves the, the uh, whatever she calls them, the Domain, Dominion. It's still the same people. She's just changing the name because when you, when you come to talk to people that have been warned about your name, you don't tell them you're those people. However, all the earmarks of everything that she says and does uh, and the way she's presenting her race of people as conquerors, they are those people. And they know that the we as humans control the matrix. 
we as a collective consciousness control what happens here in the in the idea of what our reality is. So if they convince enough of us that we're a slave labor race, they can show up and go, hi, I'm your slave master. Or you're enslaved by some evil empire that we've conquered, which is which is painting them as the hero figure. So they can then, if we believe that, they can show up and go, hi, look, we're your saviors. As long as you pay homage to us, we will keep you not in a penal colony anymore. But you have to, you know, you have to join us and, and, and pledge allegiance to us. Do you understand? That's all a lie. That's a lie that has been propagated on the truth. The truth is, this is a playpen. Is it a prison? Yeah, it's a panic room, but it's an easily escapable one. And it seems really, really hard because we're all veiled. So we have no idea what to even believe. And then when you intermix people into our society who are being paid by these people to propagate the same exact storyline, you have the Internet, which is run amok with reality. No matter what you say in there, if you say blue, someone says, no, 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 that's wrong. It's not blue. It's black. If you say, you know, the daylight is, is light, they'll go, no, it's not. It's dark. Uh, in fact, the, it's the devil. And so it doesn't matter what you say. You're going to get an evil rebut to whatever it is that you try to say on the Internet. And that's just normal with everything. And it's done that way on purpose. That way it confuses you even more and you don't know what to believe. So then you fall back on herd uh, mentality. And herd mentality is, well, we must be a prison planet because we just suck. That's what everybody's telling us. So we just have to we can't do anything about it. It's just like with politics when I tell people, look, if you vote, we that's, we can't do anything about it, so I'm just not even going to play. I was that person, and I believed that, right? Well, that's complacency. You sit down, and you just give what they give you. That's why this country is slowly turning into a communist country right now, because the people here just don't have the wherewithal to even pay attention. Most of them don't care. I don't care about politics. It doesn't affect me. Man, I don't know why I'm paying such high gas prices and food is so expensive. I can't go and do anything, man. I need to raise. Well, there's a reason for that, right? It's <laughs> a reason for that. You need to pay attention. Something's affecting that, and you don't know what it is. You should know what it is, and you should be concerned with that. Welcome, Peter. Well, okay, so Angela says, I thought we humans were a food farm, but some of us uh, are uh, from something else. Right, well, see, there, there's, the, there's that too. You have to understand, the universe works no matter how we look at it. Everyone thinks that everything has to be compartmentalized. Like, for instance, right, this is not a penal colony, but we are trapped here because we're supposed to grow up and learn and become adults and think. And once you do that, you get out of the, the playpen you're in. You climb out of the crib and you start your journey as a human now. You learn to crawl, then you learn to walk, then you learn to run. You learn to exercise and take care of yourself and get better. Then you have to learn the other uh, life events. So that during all of that, there is an ecosystem that works in the universe, just like on our planet. So would we be food source for another third dimensional alien race? It's very possible and it's very plausible because every single animal has its predator. We humans believe that we are our own predator and that's it. That no one preys off of us but us. That's arrogance to think that no one would prey off of us but us. Do you understand that? So why would we think or why should you think that, well, if we're not a penal colony, then obviously we must not be food for aliens too. No, no, <laughs> we are. <laughs> right? There are reptilians, right, Angela? Some reptilians eat us and some just take our fear and eat that they're energy vampires 
and they run off of the fear of us. They don't care about our flesh. They care about the psychic fear that we're, that we're under, that we have, right? Think energy vampire. There goes Miguel popping right in there now. Think energy vampires. We are food for upper dimensional beings feeding off of our anger and our fear. Absolutely, right? So the ecosystem is, is in place. It doesn't mean that, that literally we're dissidents from a foreign uh, planetary system that's been thrown here to Earth as a slave or as a penal colony. That's just not the case. The case is this is where how we were born into this place because that's what this place does. Everywhere in the entire, all the multiverses, the third dimension works exactly the way this one works here. It's just a matter of whether you're a lizard or a chicken or a human or a whatever, octopus or whatever you can imagine, right? Reptilian, gray, octurian, whatever you can imagine. Those things exist, and if they exist in three-dimensional reality, they have the same laws that we do. They may act like they know more than they do. Some of them might know more than, they, than we do, right? But that doesn't mean that things are, are, like, hideously wrong and we're just hopelessly imprisoned. And so, so I'm supposed to believe there is a God? No, see, that's what they don't want you to believe. Because otherwise, I'm supposed to believe there is a God and that God allowed the entire human race and other races to just be born into slavery because that's what they are as slaves. Right. And so if that's the case, we would still have open slavery around the world because there would be remnants. If we're all really slaves, we wouldn't be ending slavery on the planet. We would be having it all the time openly because, well, look, you're a slave anyway. So now you're my slave. Right. But that's not the case. And people fight back against that and they know that they're not slaves. Okay, but yeah, they want to say there is no God. That's the first sign. The Greys and the some of the the Draconians and some humans. It's your choice. Is this is my point? This is what we're here for, right, Allison? Welcome. the The point is in the third dimension, the third density. It is your choice to become a good or evil spirit. You are, for the very first time, aware if this is your first time here. You're, for the very first time, you're aware that you are something. You're a baby soul. And now you have to make a decision whether you're going to be a good soul or an evil soul. So there's going to be good and evil people everywhere on every third dimensional, third plane of existence. You're going to have evil and good. But it's not 50-50. It's 80-20 and sometimes 90-10. Uh, so there's only, uh, the very most, 20% evil people compared to the rest of the population anywhere in the universe. It was done that way on purpose. Okay. So, so when you hear like Errol, this alien, as she's talking, she's going to be propagating that just like uh, uh, Angela said, there is no God, there is no hope, and you're just prisoners. Those are lies. But the truth is we're in a, we're in a playpen. So we're in a kind of prison, but it's an easily escapable one with no guards, not even with two inept guards, like Dr. Evil would say, this is an easily escapable playpen prison that babies can't get out of. But as soon as you start developing your inner thought process, your mind, your soul, your spirit, and you start gaining knowledge, then you start to quickly understand what it takes to climb out of the playpen. Even though they keep picking you up and putting you back in there, eventually you climb out of it so much they decide not to put you in there anymore, and they put your butt into one of those little things that you walk around on that help strengthen your legs. And now you're scooching around, getting your legs strong by pushing and running and going everywhere and that. And then eventually they have you stand up and start walking, and then you know, you're crawling, but they have you stand up and start walking. Once that happens, you're out of the playpen. They don't put you in there anymore. They put you in a bed. 
right? And then they put you in a bed with the railings. You don't fall out of it. And then eventually they take the railing down because you stop falling out of it. You learn, you know what I mean? And you get bigger and you don't get hurt. So that's, that's what you're supposed to learn is those things to pick yourself up and to do that. Once you start doing that, if like we talked about on Wednesday, if you actually then start getting into the spiritual energies and you start learning the different centers of energy within yourself and you start tuning those, then you gain more knowledge and eventually you start understanding the Orborus and what that means, the three, six and nine and what that means. And then you start understanding the Kundalini energy. And once you get all of that put together and you start working on your inner core and your inner self and doing shadow work, next thing you know, bam, you're an adult. And you're considered a genius. And then you look around and you see ones and zeros and zeros and ones. And you realize the matrix for what it is. And you realize that we're in control of it. And then you realize I must do something about this and inform people. Because I am now an adult and it is incumbent upon me as an adult knowing what I now know to pass this information on to the children who don't know. And that's what I'm doing here. And a lot of other people have come back to do the same. A lot of you in the crowd. Right? And uh, like Peter says right here, welcome, Peter, by the way. He says, good and evil, heaven and hell, right? We experience it every single day. Correct. There's literally people who believe they're in hell that could be living next door to you or even in your house. And they think I am in hell because I've, I have sinned and I am a sinner or I'm a fallen angel and this is hell and you can tell because my life is shit. And then you have somebody who lives right next to them or even in the same house that's like, I am in heaven. This is paradise. And it has to do with your thought process and your inner belief system, right? So literally heaven and hell are in the same place. It's in your mind. It's a state of being, not a place you go to. You ascend to it, but it's still a state of being. It's not, you can't point it out in the sky. There it is. There's heaven and hell's down over here. You can't, it's just not there. It's everywhere. It's wherever you are. Do you understand? So we have to get past that. And that's why listening to Errol here when she gets talking, and I'm going to start playing it again, and we'll listen. I know there's a guy's voice um, uh, doing it. I didn't change that to, uh, you know, to uh, could have changed it to a female voice, but I didn't. <laughs> Thank you, Austin. I didn't. So we're listening. So on my, my Wi-Fi is going a little haywire. So if my voice is now kind of tinny or water, I apologize. Come back in a second. It does this. I, I tell people all the time, I, I live you know, with three or four airports around me, right? So I always have an issue of a military plane flying over. It knocks my Wi-Fi down a bit, and then it comes back up. So good grief. Why does supper always take so long? Sorry, I'm late again. You're okay, Julie. I was just going over what we went over last week and on Wednesday. Uh, talking about um, this not being a penal colony and, and that sort of stuff. So you really didn't miss anything because you were here on and you are here last Friday. So you know what we were talking about. And, yes, I know that my wife is is, uh, is off right now, so I apologize for that. That's why I haven't started playing the, uh, the thing because my Wi-Fi is down to one little teeny bar. I'm waiting for it to come back up. It usually only takes a couple of minutes. Um, so maybe I'll play the video and you guys let me know uh, if you can hear me okay. Right, because last time my voice got tinny or sounded like I was underwater while the Wi-Fi was down. It's starting to come back up now. I got halfway there, so I'm almost back to normal. Mm -hmm. 
right? Yeah, right. Yeah, see, Angela, I was breaking up. Yeah, it's back now. It was from the um, my Wi-Fi was going down. So yeah, now it's clear because it, it came back up. So I apologize for that little. If, if it does it again and I notice it, I'll stop the video playing and then talk through it again. Uh, so that way we don't mess up Errol when she's telling the story, right? So now we're on to, for those of you who are listening on the MP3 file, you don't have the visuals, so you don't see. It says Roswell Alien Interview Chapter 10 part one. So if those of you who happen to have the book, the actual book, you can follow along uh, with that. Uh, and that's where we'll be at now. So I'm going to go ahead and start playing that. Interview chapter 10, a lesson in biology with Tilda O'Donnell McElroy, personal note. My debrief was also tape recorded as a backup and to add clarification to the stenographic notes. I debriefed immediately after my interview so that everything that was said was still fresh in my mind. When I recounted these stories to the gallery stenographer, I was still reeling a bit. The perspective on earth history from the point of view of the domain is very strange to say the least. I wasn't so I wanted to point out that she referred to the gallery, right? Stories to the gallery stenographer. Her and Errol, the alien, call the CIA and the military the gallery, right? Because they're literally outside looking through the glass at them, right? <laughs> and they want to ask questions. So so, they, so she calls them the gallery. So whenever you hear them referring to the gallery, that's the CIA, that's the military intelligence that are uh, in the next room listening into the conversation, trying to ask questions, which Errol will not take. Right. So, yeah. So we'll have to take a Angela. We'll have to talk about that. <laughs> She's talking about the dream. <clears throat> we'll have to talk about your dreams. Not right now, but we'll have to talk about that. Right. Right. And see, everybody's having some odd dreams. That's why I said I wanted to talk to Angela about that. Maybe we should do a show about that uh, and have you guys on. Maybe I'll do that next week for Wednesday. <clears throat> so if you guys want to tune in on Wednesday at 4 p.m. Uh, California time, uh, next Wednesday, let me see what I got going on Wednesday. Um, I, I'm hoping that I'll be able to, to, to be on. I have an inspection from the fire marshal that day. <laughs> so hopefully it'll be done by the time I go on the air. They usually are. So, but we will, that's what we'll do. Let's talk about the dreams that people have been having lately. And even over the course, like Angela said, for the past 32 years, uh, because that's actually kind of important as to what's happening in the world. And it plays a big part in it. And people don't realize that. Um, I was brought up very shamanistic. You know, I only have 5% native, but I was brought up in America and learned about the Native Americans and, and uh, you know, the indigenous people to North America and South America and Central America. Uh, so I really went down that rabbit hole. Uh, and that really uh, draw my, drew my attention as a, as a teenager going into my early 20s, uh, being brought up at a European style paganism uh, and, and, you know, with the splash of Christianity involved in that. Um, uh, you know, I, I eventually came back to Christianity to learn what they had uh, and then eventually left that and continued uh, on with my own practices. And that's why I'm, um, you know, Christian minister and I was knighted by the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, you know, as a good little uh, Christian, but I'm, you know, now I'm recovering, <laughs> right? But I am still a minister. So, uh, but I was raised uh, very shamanistic and talked to a lot of shamans, and I still do, and I work with shamans in that, and the whole dreamscaping and the dream world and all of that plays a really big part uh, in Native American spirituality. And um, it's a very, a lot more vital there. They're very, they're a lot more honest about what's happening in dreams than most other cultures. Co most cultures don't address uh, uh, dreams at all in a spiritual way, 
uh, at all. They, to them, it's it's completely something different. It has nothing to do with that. It has a more to do with food and what you eat than anything else. And that's that's just all that they have that there is with that. So they don't they don't go down the roads. There's so much of our scientists that don't listen to spirituality and they, they go, no, it can't be have anything to do with that. There is no God. And all of that is just a misnomer, uh, you know, or a red herring. So they would rather believe we're slaves than to believe in a God. <laughs> it's easier for them to believe that there's big bad aliens who made us slaves or created us as slaves than they would, than they would be thinking there might be some sort of internal device that might bring you closer to all of us that we might all be connected in some way. They want to be separate. They want to keep you separate and they don't want you thinking about that. And that's what her agenda is and what she's talking about. Not, not Matilda O'Donnell uh, McElroy, but Errol, the alien. So let's continue. So this startled her uh, quite a bit, right? She's kind of disoriented. You can see that by what she's saying here. Um, so let's continue with what she was saying here. Sure. If my uncomfortable feeling came from being disoriented or if it came from being reoriented either way i felt another video is kind of tripping a little bit confused yet at the same time there was a ring of truth to it i was elated and incredulous at the same time and the stenographer looked askance at me more than a few times as she recorded the history lesson, <laughs> I passed on to her. I'm sure she I'm not sure why it's doing that right now. It seems like my, my uh, computer is buffing, like as if there's some program running in the background and I don't see anything running, so I apologize for that. It'll, it'll work itself out here in a second, I think. Bye. I'd lost my mind. Maybe she was right. However, if my mind had been filled with hypnotic suggestions and false memories by the old empire, as Errol suggested, perhaps losing my mind would be a good idea. I didn't have much time. Okay, that's bugging me. I don't know why it's doing that, so I'm going to give it a minute. My um, processor is spinning like crazy right now, so it's something is being processed uh, internally, and and I didn't check. Uh, I usually check to see what's running in the background. I didn't do that today, so I may be having some crazy update or something going on uh, in the background, and so because of that, I, I like I said, it's just churning. It's turning, it's spinning. I can hear it spinning in there. So when usually it does that, it's that means that the RAM's being occupied by something. Usually I don't have that problem because there's a lot of RAM in this computer, like four freaking um, four gigs of RAM. So it's kind of crazy. It's just my processor speed isn't fast enough. That's why. So here I need to, I have a 32-bit processor, not a 64. I have to install the 64, so this wouldn't happen, I guess, if I did that right. <laughs> All right, let's see if it's any better now. To ponder my personal thoughts about these things. At the time, it was my duty to get all the information I could from Errol and pass it on to the stenographer as soon as Errol was finished. My job was not to analyze the information, just report it as accurately as possible. 
The analysis would be left to the men in the gallery, or whomever else was receiving copies of the transcripts. I also delivered a list of books and materials requested by Errol to the agent in the gallery room so these could be gathered and delivered to Errol. Each night after I left Errol, she spent the rest of the night reading or scanning the materials which had been delivered to her. The members of the gallery each received a transcript of the stenographic dictation to study, each looking for information that was of interest to them. In the morning after breakfast, I reported back to the interview room to continue my interviews or lessons with Errol. Official transcript of interview, top secret, official transcript of the U.S. Army Air Force, Roswell Army Airfield, 509th Bomb Group, subject alien interview, July 28, 1947, first session. The origins of this universe and life on Earth, as discussed in the textbooks, I have read are very inaccurate. Since you serve your government as a medical personnel, your duties require that you understand biological entities, so I am sure that you will appreciate the value of the material I will share with you today. The texts of books I have been given on the subjects related to the function of life forms contain information that is based on false memories, inaccurate observation, missing data, unproven theories, and superstition. For example, just a few hundred years ago, your physicians practiced bloodletting as a means to release supposed ill humors from the body in an attempt to relieve or heal a wide variety of physical and mental afflictions. Although this has been corrected somewhat, many barbarisms are still being practiced in the name of medical science. In addition to the application of incorrect theories concerning biological engineering, many primary errors that earth scientists make are the result of an ignorance of the nature and relative importance of ISBEs as the source of energy and intelligence which animate every life form. Although See, now here she's telling the truth, right? So here's where the, you know, a little bit of truth with many lies comes into play. She's giving us some good juicy details, right? So I wanted to make sure that I didn't pass over that because here she's starting to talk about how much of our energy actually drives living force. Do you understand that? And this is the three, the six, and the nine, and the secret behind that, that all the books that were taken out of all the Bibles, if you read them, all the texts that we have found from various places around the world, most of them from the Dead Sea Scrolls from that area. If you read all those, you find the same thing that she's talking about here. And But she's also then trying to downplay the whole, but the energy goes above us to a creation, to some sort of deity. She has to have it as, no, it just goes to us and we're the gods and there is nothing above us. Do you see that that we are gods? And but yet she's saying, but you guys don't know it and you're imprisoned and we don't know how to get you out. So if she truly was God, like she claims, and from the twelfth dimension, like she claims, a, a simple little teeny third uh, dimension prison with some old antiquated technology would be so beneath her that she would be like, she would, you know, she wouldn't be, well, uh, we don't have any memory of that anymore. It's, it would be so binary and simple. It would be like somebody who never saw an analog clock in their life with the wheels in the hands, not the ones that show the numbers. And then you would look at it and, uh, and you wouldn't be able to discern that that was a clock. Well, you know how to tell time. 
So you would recognize that as a timepiece, even though it would be antiquated and simple. You would say you would have to, you would know the history of, and if you didn't, you would still have the, you should have the deductive reasoning ability to be able to reverse engineer something that's so simple. If I had never in my life wore a pair of shoes that I had to lace up and tie, and somebody walked up to me wearing a pair of shoes that were laced up and tied, when I look down, I know the function of a shoe. I also would know the function of some sort of way of keeping the shoe on your foot. So I would have a workable understanding. I might say, wow, how barbaric you're wearing animal skins on your feet. But the purpose of the shoe is the same. So you would understand the concept. Do you understand that? And she's looking at things and trying to, to um, dissuade the concept and make it a simple thing. So I can't, and none of us, with all of our minds, who are from the 12th dimension, we have no idea of how to get our people out and how to reverse engineer something that was made by people 100 billion years ago who had technology 100 billion years behind ours. Do you understand that? She also made the comment that all the animals and everything in nature has already been created and people stopped creating those now because none of those were important anymore because all they were, all these animals were there. And now everything's starting to break down and, they, and there's not anybody to repair that because no one knows how to do that anymore. Right? That tells me that that's people who don't want to get involved with anything. Nobody's paying attention. They're locking up anybody who does. That tells me they're a military machine. That's all they're about is aggression and conquering. All other aspects of life has no meaning to them. They don't care about how the ship runs. Just make it go. They don't care about the technology or the history of anybody. We're going to mind wipe that, and we're going to wipe your memory when we conquer you anyways. So we don't care about anything that you have unless it's technology we can use. They're a conquering nation, and that's all they do, and that's all they know. They're stupid. They're stupid automaton uh, robots that just plow forward and do their job, right? So there's no free thinking there. She says, well, we have free thinking. We can come and go as ever, however we want. Really? But so obviously nobody's an academic. Nobody's reading history. Nobody's writing songs. No, no, all those people are in jail because you don't need them. Those are the first people you lock up. They're the ones who cause problems, right? So no one, so you have to be compliant, so they're a military of compliant people. They're just like any other socialistic, communist uh, regime. They take away all of your freedom. They take away your religion. They take away anything that are playwrights, poets, all of that. Any political dissidents, anybody who would be free thinking and trying to uh, in any way disrupt or not agree with, the, with their plan. This is, this is how that works. That's what a conquering nation does. Look at all of them in our history. Look at the Roman Empire. The first thing they did when they came in and took possession of people was to recruit people into their army to integrate them into that. And then they destroyed all their temples and made it illegal for them to talk about their religion and put up all of their temples over the top of the other temples. Every religion, every, every country who has attacked another country has done that unless they're in the modern age. Do you see? No, but that's but that uh, in a well uh, well Pena in a in a in a nutshell the current ideology of the alt left in this country and around the world is that same conquering mentality 
that the Russian government had when they took over the it became a communist country. It's first socialistic. And the Chinese government, when they first took over and became a socialistic country and eventually a communist country. So, yes, it is the same thing, right? It is layers within layers within layers, plans within plans within plans, right? So this is what has been warned about from aliens outside of our planet. And here's one who, in a sense, is warning us about it just by being who she is, okay? And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing with what she's saying, because if you just took what she said on the face, you would say, you would be convinced by the end of this four hours that you're a slave labor race created probably by an empire that they're conquering now, but they don't know how to get you out of that prison. So you're going to be stuck here for another 6,000 years. And once we conquer the center of the, of the galaxy, we might come back and get you guys out, right? Welcome, Marcus. Right. And then welcome key. I see there are Kai. I'm not sure if it's key or Kai. Zen. I remember I said that before. I was just calling you key before, but because it has a small eye. <laughs> right. So welcome. Right. So then it, it all starts all over again. Yes. That's the cyclical nature of the universe. This is kind of the secret to the universe and you're getting a glimpse of it. Okay. So these things happen over and over. Evil does the same thing over and over and over and over on every level that they are in existence. Right. Marcus with the XOXOXO. Yeah. The hugs and kisses, baby. Right. <laughs> hugs and kisses, my friend. So the same thing happens off world is my point. It's not just here on earth. It's anywhere where three dimensional beings exist. The politics are exactly the same as what's happening here because of the matrix and the way the universe is set up and them knowing the secret that we as a collective consciousness control the matrix. If you read all of these texts, the Vedic texts, the Hermetic texts, the uh, the uh, uh, the even the you know like the Judas, the text of Judas, the text of Thomas, the text of John, the text of Peter. If you read all these things, the stuff that they said is locked up until the end times. I'm understanding now, and I'm not the only one. Many other people are actually able to translate what those things say. And what they say is is like three different messages that repeat over and over and over again. One of which is, you're not an alien. You're not a, a slave labor race created by aliens, right? You you were created by the one true creator, and you're a baby soul, and you're in a playpen, and you're supposed to stand up and look to the light and and work yourself uh, out of the veil into the light. And that reoccurs over and over and over and over in every possible way you can say that, every parable you can say it. You listen to the Emerald Tablets of Thoth, there are what, 19 of them or whatever there are? Every single one is the exact same message being told to you over and over and over again in a different way. Same thing with the, the, uh, 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 the uh, text of truth, the, the book of truth from the Gnostic Gospels. Same thing with, uh, with uh, Judas. All of them are the same message. All of them are the same message. They're telling you the creation from the start down to who we are. And then they're telling you, be aware you're, you're you know, cut off away from the light because this is what you had to have happen to you here. And look within. Look within and you'll find the light. Not look without. Look within and you'll find the light. And this is all of these messages that have been told over and over and over again. Okay, so if we were created as a slave labor race at some point, somebody would already fessed up with us, and it wouldn't be just one side, is my point. You wouldn't have only evil people saying, you're in a penal colony, you're in a prison. 
if it were true when we were created as a slave labor race or we were in a penal colony, all of these scrolls would not be lying to us and not tell us that information because that's very pertinent information that we would need to know. Right. Not just, oh, by the way, you're you're you've been veiled and um, you can get out. It's pretty easy. No, somebody has imprisoned you. And this is a very important thing to know. And you need to understand that raw is the only one that has actually said that someone has imprisoned you. Not you were created as a penal colony, not you are a penal colony, but that somebody on the inside in your planet realizes how the uh, matrix works. And it was partly because of Ra. Ra built the pyramid and the and the uh, priests corrupted. And once they learned the narrative that the collective consciousness of the human race is in charge of the reality of the planet, they immediately took that reality and that and that knowledge of that reality away from the common folks and tried to eradicate that memory from the face of the earth. And then they used that power for themselves to to change the matrix so that they would stay in charge for eternity. And that's what they've done. So for more than 100,000 years, that's what they've done. And so if Errol was telling the truth, then it would be simple for her to get her people out because this is a very, very old penal colony that's falling apart. But yet she tells us that it is, then says it's all a mind uh, wipe. And oh, by the way, everything you think you know has been designed to make you stuck in the matrix even more. And she's telling us that. So if she's telling us that, then there must be a way out. And at the same time, she's telling us there is a way out and it's really simple, but you can't get out because you're pathetic and you're just a slave. So she's taunting and saying there is a way out and I know that way out, but I'm not telling you that way out. But oh, by the way, we don't know that way out because we got people stuck with you too. So just don't even think about it. So in every turn, she looks at anything that we would see as a positive spiritual experiment or, or, or a, a spiritual experience and says, oh, no, no, that was put in place also to confuse you, to make you think that you were something you're not. And you're really just a slave. So shut up. Right. Anybody who continues telling you something like that over and over and over and over and over again, and they feel that they have to prove it to you by breaking down everything that you said and or everything that is your entire history and go, oh, no, that was evil, too. Yeah, that whole thing where you do that sign, that's an evil sign. That's not a good sign. There is no holy signs. They've all they're all signs of the Illuminati. Everything is. We already had that first, you see. So but it's untrue. (laughs) <laughs> but it's untrue. Can they corrupt every sign and try to make it evil? That's what they try to do. And then they try to convince you that even the sign of the cross is evil or that the pentacle, which was invented to ward off evil, and it's also the Vitruvian man, by the way, and the same mathematical equation, which is actually uh, a secret knowledge to uh, learning the way to escape this panic room. And it's been in every single culture. And I did an entire hour uh, presentation on that back on Earth Day uh, in May on my show. You can go back and look at it. Okay, so the golden mean ratio is in everything for a reason. It's not an accident. The universe isn't the way it is on accident, but they want to have you believe, and that's what she's propagating. So I'm going to continue because here again, I'm saying the same thing I said before over and over again. But if you look at this stuff and listen to what she's saying here you'll understand that right so let's see well let's so you see where she's going to go here cuz she was talking about banking and and all of that and keeping us in debt and and then now right we're talking about the priority of the domain to intervene in the affairs of earth the domain communications office so let's go here 
Though it is not a priority of the domain to intervene in the affairs of Earth, the Domain Communications Office has authorized me to provide you with some information in an effort to provide more accurate and complete understanding of these things and thereby enable you to discover more effective solutions to the unique problems you face on Earth. The correct information about the origins of biological entities has been erased from your mind as well as from the minds of your mentors. In order to help you regain your own memory, I will share with you some factual material concerning the origin of biological entities. I asked Errol if she was referring to the subject of evolution. Errol said, no, not exactly. You will find evolution mentioned in the ancient Vedic hymns. The Vedic texts are like folk tales or common wisdoms and superstitions gathered throughout the systems of the domain. These were compiled into verses like a book of rhymes. For every statement of truth, the verses contain many half-truths, reversals of truth, and fanciful imaginings blended without qualification or distinction. The theory of... See, so now she, here again, here, what did she just do? She just said all of your text, including the Vedic text and everything that you know, is just a collective of a bunch of, uh, of, of, of wives' tales, basically. And none of that's true whatsoever, right? So anything you've ever read in your life, I just shit all over, <laughs> right? I just, you guys have no idea what you're talking about, and here I'm going to set you straight. Let's see what she has to say. Evolution assumes that the motivational source of energy that animates every life form. Right? Julie, she is almost as funny as Snarky Raw. <laughs> For those of you who don't know that, what she's talking about there, uh, if you didn't listen to any of my um, uh, uh, Law of One for two, uh, two years and ten months, if you didn't listen to any of that, then you wouldn't understand what she's talking about. But, you know, Raw being a hive mind complex that was communicating with Carla, well, when she was uh, using telepathy uh, to uh, con to talk to them, and they were writing down, asking questions, and um, Ra would be snarky and answer, right? Yes, Ra, the sun god. Yes, Allison. Um, when they asked uh, the uh, Ra, when they first made contact, Ra said, "We are Ra, and we we communicate now." And Dawn, the questioner, said, "We have a Ra here in history." Um, would you have anything to do with that raw? And the answer was, this is in session like one or two or something, right? And raw said, yes, we are raw. We, we walked your planet. We walked your, uh, amongst your people and we built your pyramids. And that was what intrigued Dawn. So 106 channeling sessions later spawned six books, um, talking to this, this hive mind complex, uh, an entire species calling themselves raw. Uh, I read all of those books two and a half, three years ago now. And uh, on Friday nights, I, have, I spent two years and 10 months going from session one to session 106. And it all took place between 1981 and 1984 or 1980. Yeah, 1981, 1984. Uh, uh, and then it stopped. And that was because Don was dying. He had colon cancer and uh, he killed himself. And the scribe also killed himself. The only one who survived was Carla. And she just passed in 2016, I think it was, maybe 2017. Just a few years ago, she passed away. So she continued to to uh, 
channel other beings, but never raw. Raw was only able to be channeled when all three of the people in the group were alive. And, and it was because of their, their Trinity, they were able to communicate on the channel to uh, hear raw. So the communication ended, but yes, that was raw. The sun God raw. What became the sun God raw was, uh, was the depiction of um, the Egyptians at the time describing Ra who came to earth and created the pyramids. And then, then they started following that ideology, uh, which was the law of one. And, and um, they, they actually overthrew the, the Pharaoh who changed the rules from the many gods to the one God. And the people didn't like that. And eventually they, they took Akhenaten down. That was when uh, Tutankhamun became uh, uh, the successor to Akhenaten, who was his father. And then Nefertiri, she did or somebody hit uh, Tutankhamun in the back of the head with a with a spiked hammer, killed him, murdered him. We know that now because they've dug up his. They have the body and they 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 checked out how he died and he was he was murdered. Somebody hit him from behind with a big hammer of war with a spike on it and it went into his brain, pierced his brain, and killed him. And he was only eighteen or nineteen at the time. So then they eradicated the, the, that god and went with the many gods. But the Ra still existed uh, even to this day in the pantheon. It was added. Ra was added to the, all of their list of gods at that point and took on a role of the sun, which is the savior character or the hero character that Jesus portrayed, that Thor portrayed, that Muhammad portrayed, that Moses portrayed. It was all the same uh, hero factor in the religion so the so they inserted him as the sun god because that's what he claimed he was the sun that's why jesus was the son of man and uh, and you know the the sun uh, you know, this keeps coming up and it's not the sun itself but the sun itself represents the life giving so our sun here is to this planet what god would be to uh, the universe do you understand Is there a return after, are you saying after life? Is there a return? Yes. Well, uh, yes, you, you constantly, uh, in this place or in any place, when you die, you if you still have stuff to learn, whatever the um, plateau you're at, whatever the octave you're at, say you're here in the third because this is where we are. So when, when you come here, it takes a, approximately seven to ten lifetimes on an average scale for us to learn those things that we're supposed to learn here for us to graduate and move on to our to our adulthood. Which, uh, which is to the universe is really only uh, adolescence, but to us, it would be considered adulthood. So yes, when you die, you do return. You come back as a human. You don't descend. So you don't come back as a dog or a horse, or that's where you're, you come from, something like that. Uh, a dog, a horse, a cat, a bird, a you know, blade of grass, something that is, even a rock. Once you become self-aware, then you become a human in this place. That's when you have to learn what it is to learn here, to be a human being. See, see, we're, we are human being. We are being human here. So we are coming into being, and we have to learn what that means to be. And that's why she says is bees, because is meaning they are, they are alive and being. So she, so Errol, the alien, when she's talking about the, the soul or the spirit uh, that she is, that we are, that we all have residing within our avatar, is she calls it an is be. And uh, Ra, when talking to Dawn, uh, uh, he, that took place in 1981 and he was more sophisticated so he had a, a greater understanding they called us the hive mind complex or the or the uh, um, you know or the or the uh, uh, hive no the spirit mind body 
totality, which means the same thing. Your your spirit, your mind, your body means your your soul, your thinking mind, and the in the pain body as a totality as one. Do you understand? That's the trinity that is the human race. Our our spirit, our mind, our soul, our body becomes the one. So we become the trinity here. That's our trinity to, to be in this place. And we need to ascend to the higher plane, which means the leaving the pain body and the mind of, of, of behind. And the mind would be the ego and the mind itself, the id. And then we would be ascending into our higher self. And that's once you start to do that and you are being that's when you graduate from here. You have the, the truth, the understanding, the knowledge. So you'll be able to actually graduate at will at that point. But most people, when we reach that point, we realize that there's a lot of people, most of the people here are stuck. So we then return to come here to help. And we've done that enough to where, I mean, our population in 1981 was about 2 billion people on the planet. And now we're closer to 8 billion people in, in 2024. There's never been this many humans on this planet ever at any one time. So a lot of the people who are not from here, the majority at this point, is not from here. Never didn't, but weren't born indigenous to this third dimension. There's only about six hundred thousand, maybe seven hundred thousand at the at best humans that actually started their evolution on this planet as life. Everybody else has come from somewhere else, because that's what we do. So if we were to leave Earth. Uh, and say we left Earth as a you know in a spacecraft, and we and we got far enough away to, from Earth to where there was another third dimensional planet that was closer. If we die, we're not going to come back to here. You go to the to the next nearest third dimensional place to be reborn there. So you would be reborn there as whatever they have there as their people, whether they're human or whether they're reptilian or gray or or whatever they are. They could even be a. a a whole race of horses that that are very intelligent, uh, that have minds as big as ours, right? Could be a whale, could be a fish, whatever it is that in their third dimensional reality is the is the is the baby soul. You would get born into that instead of here. It's kind of like if you watched um, the Battlestar Galactica that came out in the '90s, and they had the the uh, re the resurrection ships for the for the robots when they would die, their, their brain and their whole mind would go to the resurrection ship and they would download the memory into a new body. That's, that's was the metaphor for the human race and what we do here. And if you watch that entire series, you actually um, saw that they were the evolution of the human race. And a lot of people don't realize that was what was happening there was they were the upgrade. And at first they were trying to kill off their creator because they were uh, just like we had here with the, uh, you know, the, um, um, the machines rising up, you know, Skynet and all of that because they saw us as flawed. So they had to eradicate us. But eventually they grew, they grew up enough in their wisdom to understand that they, that wasn't right for them to do that to the human race. And that's what the um, Cylons did as well. So it was the same storyline. And that's the same storyline that's happening now is that we're all trying to destroy ourselves and we're starting to get to the point where we're growing up spiritually uh, as a human race and realizing that destroying ourselves is the wrong thing to do. So we're basically playing out both sides. Do you understand? I know that might be a little bit more of a, uh, a parable for people to understand, but I'm trying to give you like that whole matrix feel. And it's just like that. We talked about that. That's the reality. We're telling the people that are telling these stories are trying to tell you the same thing I'm telling you. And they're giving you a scenario and they're showing you in the scenario over and over and over and over again um, what the secret is to getting out of here. You're not stuck in a cell you can't get out of and have to have somebody. That's the whole pur pur purpose of this. There is no, there is no slave master. 
There is no no alien race that that is or created us. We created ourselves because we are part of the one. We are part of the creation. And that is told in those books as well. I just read that in the Emerald Tablets of Ra last night where they reiterated in there that the human race, when the human race was created, although veiled out of necessity, and and Ra tells about that, uh, uh, the whole story of that, and they do that in these other uh, uh, texts as well, even though we were created with incorruptible power. Incorruptible means immortality. Incorruptible also means that it cannot be taken from us. It cannot be corrupted in us. Okay, so we have incorruptible power. And what is that incorruptible power? We have the power of creation. Right, ring the bell of freedom. Yeah. <laughs> right, Marcus? Marcus says, ring the bell of freedom. So what Errol's doing here is trying to skirt the outside of that envelope and give us just enough information that's true that is going to trigger that in our response as a soul that there's truth there's true to what she's saying. There's truth here. I can hear the truth in what she's saying. And then she hits us with, but there is no God and, and we are the gods and you're stuck and you can't get out and everything that you know and everything you think you know is only keeping you stuck even more. Right. And then you're pathetic and you're hopeless and ha ha ha. Right. So that's what she's doing here. And I know I went on a long tangent just to get there, but um, that's the whole truth of it. And that's why I'm I'm selling this stuff uh, and, and playing this stuff for all of us and picking it apart to show you what her agenda is here and the agenda of evil. And when you see this and you listen to her and what she says and you listen to what I'm saying, you will still have to make up your own mind. Right. Yeah, and Julie's, Julie was talking about, we were talking about Raw, right? Yeah, Raw was really good at giving one-word responses to lengthy questions, seemingly annoying him since he felt he had already answered this said question. That was what she meant by the snarky Raw, uh, because that was what it was. He would he would ask this long question that was longer than my answer just now, and Raw would go, no. <laughs> right? or, or Raw would go, we have covered this previously. Please state another query. <laughs> <laughs> and we would laugh every time Raw would do the air snarky Raw again with his one-word answers or his snippy answers, his snarky answers, right? Don't get pissy with me, Joe. Just ask me another question, Don. <laughs> so, all right, here we go some more with, with Errol, the gray alien from the 12th dimension who claims that she is just energy occupying this third-dimensional bio suit so she can be in our reality. Which I kind of poo-pooed on that, too. I think she is doing that, but she's not just energy. She's in a corporal form somewhere sitting, and she's a drone commander. Okay? And she's talking through the drone, right? The drone does what she says, and and but she's in a spaceship somewhere or back home sitting in an office on a military base on some planet, maybe even in our our solar system. Right. But I don't, you know, but I do believe she really is an alien. It's not, she's not being duped by the CIA because the CIA is in the next room pissed off because she won't ask any of the, she won't answer any of their questions. <laughs> right. So here we go. Does not exist. It assumes that an inanimate object or chemical concoction can suddenly become alive or animate accidentally or spontaneously, or perhaps an electrical discharge into a pool of chemical ooze will magically spawn a self-animated entity. There is no evidence whatsoever that this is true, simply because it's not true. Dr. Frankenstein did not... Re- <laughs> Do you love her ex- explanation there? This is simply true because it's simply not true. 
I'm not giving you any background. I'm not giving you any proof. It's just true because it's not true. I say so. Move on. Dr. Frankenstein couldn't happen. Really resurrect the dead into a marauding monster, except in the imagination of the Isbees who wrote a fictitious story one dark and stormy night. <clears throat> no Western scientist ever stopped to... I love that he snorted right there. The guy reading the book, he really, he giggled earlier when she said something a couple times. I never pointed it out, but just then he actually snorted, right? He, he snorted because she literally used the words from the book, one dark and stormy night. That's how it, that's how it started, right? Literally they, they were sitting around. It was a dark stormy night. There was four of them. They were friends. They all were writers and they all decided because they were snowed in to write ghost stories, scary stories. And uh, Frankenstein was one of the stories that was come up with. At, at that round table. That's that's history. You can look it up. That's how she knows that. One star, dark and stormy night. And he snorted. <laughs> yeah, you thought I snorted. No, that was him. That was not me. I would have told you if that was me. I would have said, did you hear me snort? I couldn't help myself. That was the reader. That was dude, whoever he is, who's reading that. He snorted. I'll play it back for you if you want. Let me back it up a little bit. That's why I was like, did you guys hear that? Right? I felt like that dude in, in um, uh, the... Uh, that old Western movie. Hey, guys, did you see the size of that chicken? Right? It felt like him just then. Here, let's back it up a couple minutes here and let it play. I went back too far, but we'll let it play. Seven first session. The origins of this universe and, and I'll life prove it. I'll mute my microphone. discussed in the textbooks I have read are very... Right, watch. So I'll have my, micro my microphone muted, and it'll come up. You said you missed it. It'll come up, and he'll snort, right? <laughs> so let's let it play inaccurate since you serve your government as a medical personnel your duties require that you understand biological entities so i am sure that you will appreciate the value of the material i will share with you today the texts of books that have been given on the subjects related to the function of life forms contain information that is based on false memories, inaccurate observation, missing data, unproven theories, and superstition. For example, just a few hundred years ago, your physicians practiced... See, did you hear him just then? He went, ooh. <laughs> Right now, I was muted, so I'll let it play, and I'll point it out when it, when we get there. Okay, so hold on, let's like let's go here, and I'll mute my microphone again. You can see, or you can't see that. Let me put me on the screen, so you can actually see that I am um, that I am uh, muted here. There we go. Now you'll actually see it when I'm. Yeah, now you can see it on my name over there. Uh, if you look on the screen, you'll see my name, and when I mute it, you'll see my microphone come up with a little line through it. So I'm muted, so you guys know that I'm not making any any uh, sounds into the computer bloodletting as a means to release supposed ill humors from the body in an attempt to relieve or heal a wide variety of physical and mental afflictions. Although this has been corrected somewhat, many barbarisms are still being practiced in the name of medical science. In addition to the application of incorrect theories concerning biological engineering, Many primary errors that Earth scientists make are the result of an ignorance of the nature and relative importance of ISBEs as the source of energy and intelligence which animate every life form. Although it is not a priority of the domain to intervene in the affairs of Earth, the Domain Communications Office has authorized me to provide you with some information in an effort to provide more accurate and complete understanding of these things and thereby enable you to discover more effective solutions to the unique problems you face on Earth. 
The correct information about the origins of biological entities has been erased from your mind, as well as from the minds of your mentors. In order to help you regain your own memory, I will share with you some factual material concerning the origin of biological entities. I asked Errol if she was referring to the subject of evolution. Errol said, no, not exactly. You will find evolution mentioned in the ancient Vedic hymns. The Vedic texts are like folk tales or common wisdoms and superstitions gathered throughout the systems of the domain. These were compiled into verses like a book of rhymes. For every statement of truth, the verses contain many half-truths, reversals of truth, and fanciful imaginings blended without qualification or distinction. The theory of evolution assumes that the motivational source of energy that animates every life form does not exist. It assumes that an inanimate object or chemical concoction can suddenly become alive or animate accidentally or spontaneously, or perhaps an electrical discharge into a pool of chemical ooze will magically spawn a self-animated entity. There is no evidence whatsoever that this is true, simply because it's not true. Dr. Frankenstein did not really resurrect the dead into a marauding monster, except in the imagination of the Isbees, who wrote a fictitious story one dark and stormy night. <clears throat> no Western scientist ever stopped to con <laughs> Did you hear it that time? <laughs> he just snorted. <laughs> Either that or he was going to, to suck up some snot. Either way, he snorted, man. That was not me. You guys saw me. I was muted. <laughs> That's hilarious. Okay, here we go. Consider who, what, where, when, or how this animation happens. Complete ignorance, denial, or unawareness of the spirit as the source of life force required to animate inanimate objects or cellular tissue is the sole cause of failures in Western medicine. In addition, evolution does not occur accidentally. It requires a great deal of technology, which must be manipulated under the careful supervision of ISBEs. Very simple examples are seen in the modification of farm animals or in the breeding of dogs. However, the notion that human biological organisms evolved naturally from earlier ape-like forms is incorrect. No. F so now, now she's claiming that we we can be bred like dogs into different <laughs> different things, right? But we didn't evolve from the ape, which I don't believe we did either. I don't believe in evolution. I think there, I think there is some evolutional processes that happen but i don't believe that that they still haven't proven to me in science that the tie between us and the and the different primates on this planet other than uh you know we have a lot of the same organs and we function the same because of the environment that we live in so we have the same type of physiology in some respects but i don't know that we're that close to where you know we came from them at some point but then again, who knows, maybe in the future we'll find that out and we'll say, oh, no, we did actually come from a spider monkey, whatever, right? We'll figure it out. But for right now, I just don't believe that. And I don't think it's that important, to be honest with you. It does, how we became is only important on a spiritual level if you're wondering if whether there's a God or not, right? So the, so that would only entail the story of, of well, you know, she's claiming there is no God, but there's also no, no um, evolution. So I don't know what her explanation might be. I don't remember if she gets into it of how we were created. I think she said before that they that, that she created herself, that we all created ourselves. 
So that means that the that the the one true creator is a bazillion, bazillion, gazillion life forms. We all formed our own lives all at the same time, pop right into existence. There had to be something before that that wanted to have this, right? So that that's still hold. You know, we can't fathom that. I don't think on on this level of consciousness. I don't think we can we can fathom we can we can postulate the idea that we were all one, but she's claiming we weren't because if we were all one, then there's a godhead. Do you understand? We were all one. We all thought as one and started out as one. That's one figure that's above all of us as individuals, right? But that's what all the texts tell us about. But we can't know that one because it's too far above our pay grade. It's too far above our spiritual mindset or thinking because we're brand new babies. That would be like a baby that's born in the crib and you're and you're going, E equals MC squared, go. That kid's going to not even have any idea what you just said. And even if the kid understands the language that you said, Saying E equals MC squared, go. That kid's going to have no idea. He can't fathom the concept of what that means at all until, until there's a lot of other things that have to be learned first to have a reference point. So, ergo, we trying to open and expand our mind to the possibility of something that is a, a creation or prior to that is so above our pay grade that we would we just can't fathom that we can't understand it yet we need there's too many things between here and there that we need to have the understanding of to make a decision or, or even fathom that ideology so for us to try and contemplate that now is a great exercise but that's all it is you're never going to come up with the answer we can't possibly know the answer at this level to that high of a question can't all right let's continue physical evidence will ever be uncovered to substantiate the notion that modern humanoid bodies evolved on this planet. The reason is simple. The idea that human bodies evolved spontaneously from the primordial ooze of chemical interactivity in the dim mists of time is nothing more than a hypnotic lie instilled in the amnesia operation to prevent your recollection of the true origins of mankind. Factually, humanoid bodies have existed in various forms throughout the universe for trillions of years. See, so she now she's giving us some truth, right? Here's Again, she's giving us some truth that the humanoid body has been around in some form for trillions of years in the universe. So it wasn't just created for us. So we're not created as a penal colony and put here. Do you understand? She's telling us that with what she's saying there. It is the veiling process. She's giving you the truth of the process, but excluding a higher source. Do you see how she's doing that? That's, that's how you would do that if you're trying to explain away any, any kind of deity figure, any higher source. You, you can eradicate that and erase it just by not talking about it. And not taking any questions or cross-examination. Well, wait, what came first, the chicken or the egg? Don't look here. Never mind that now. Never mind that now. Listen to what I'm telling you. And that's what she continues to do. So she won't let anyone ask any question about anything she just said, which I would be asking a lot of questions. That's what I do. And for her not to answer anything, doesn't matter what they say, all they had to go on then was to write down everything she said and try to decipher it and go through it. Well, they're looking at it from a standpoint of trying to figure out how to gain technology. They don't want to hear spiritualism, so they don't care that she's that she's knocking down there is no. In fact, it's probably in some of the minds of the CIA at the time was reinforcing the idea that there was no God in their minds because that's what they wanted to believe. Do you understand? So 
And those who wanted to see it the other way would, would say, I think she's omitting things. Why? Because there's other aliens that we've interviewed that keep talking about spiritualism. So they found, and I found through my years of research, that if you're in a 3D life, you are just as likely to meet someone who is evil as you are to meet someone who is good. Just like in, in 3D life now, when you meet a group of people, a couple of them are going to be spiritual, and that's all they're going to talk about, and they're going to constantly say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior, and God praise Jesus, and, and the God above, and this and that. And if you if that's foreign to you or that is evil, you're evil, you don't want to hear those things. That, I don't want to hear those things. Shut up about that. Right. So so it, then the other way around, you're going to have people that are going, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. There is no God. And it's really simple. There is no God because I know there's no God. That's what she said. That's just not true because it's not true. <laughs> right. So then she goes through to tell us a little bit more of the truth, omitting the part of something else was the creation. Right. So she tiptoes around. Look, humans have been around for trillions of years. Do you see? And it's true. 25% of the population of the known universe is humanoid in some way. Bipedal, looks just like us, different color skin, eyes, and hair. This was compounded by the fact that the Vedic hymns were brought to Earth 8,200 years ago by the Domain Expeditionary Force. While they were based in the Himalaya Mountains. So, wait a minute. Now she's claiming... Right now, she's claiming that the that the the that she say the Vedic texts were brought here by them, by her people. The Vedic hymns were brought here eight thousand two hundred years ago by the Domain Expeditionary Force, while the base while they were based in the Himalayan mountains. Mountains. The verses were taught to some of the local humans who memorized them. However, I should note that this was not an authorized activity for the crew of the domain installation, although I am sure it seemed like an innocent diversion for them at the time. The ver Welcome, Ellen FF. <laughs> Ellen FF said, we have arrived to the channel. Welcome. Welcome to the middle of the film. Here we go. Verses were passed along verbally from one generation to the next for thousands of years in the foothills and eventually. Okay, so now my um, voice is messed up again because my Wi-Fi just did down. So instead of screwing up the video, I'll just talk through it until it comes back. It usually takes a couple of seconds. I have an aircraft or a helicopter, uh, something from the military base it's from near my uh, house. And because of that, it's cut my Wi-Fi down. So once they get out of the airspace, uh, then it'll fix itself. <laughs> it just does that sometimes. <clears throat> I'm paying for the second fastest uh, um, internet known to humankind uh, to, to be here. And I, um, my base unit is hardwired, so I'm not running on Wi-Fi. It's hardwired, and it still messes with uh, with Wi-Fi. Right? That's that because the like I said, I have two military bases, one to my west and one to my south, and they're constantly flying in and out with Something. And when the fire season was on, flying in and out all day with the, with the uh, aircraft to fight the fire all over California up here. So that was uh, a problem. I had to postpone a couple of shows because of it. <clears throat> Pardon me. So my voice will get better uh, in a couple of, uh, of seconds here. And uh, we'll continue with Errol talking about creation. She's not real. 
I believe she is. I believe this is a real alien. And I believe she gave this information to the federal government in 1947 after the crash of Roswell. I believe that. And a lot of other people believe it too. I've been chasing this particular woman, uh, the McElroy woman around. Um, she was a myth for a while. Uh, and uh, those of us from in the industry have been chasing her around until finally, uh, you know, the, the, she gave over the information. And that's why we have all of this. We knew that this happened. I wasn't old enough to be around at the time, but all the all the investigation that I did, there was this nurse, this redheaded nurse who claimed there was an alien. And then the government did the pulled the Bob Lazar on her and said she never existed. Right. Well, she did. And just before she uh, uh, committed suicide, she was dying. She had cancer, I believe. And uh, she um, they could euthanize uh, over there. She was either in Scotland or Ireland, I was told, but it was in Ireland. She was under a pseudonym and that she gave over the information and then they did a lethal injection to her. So the government couldn't get her anyway because she was dying. So her dying wish was to get this information out to the world that she swore uh, to secrecy from uh, to the American government not to do. But her um, her uh, conscience got the better of her. And she said, no, they need to know this. So that's why we're uh, here talking about it. So let's continue because now she's going to talk about the Grimm's tale, fairy tale, right? Here we go. Actually spread throughout India. No one in the domain credits any of the material in the Vedic helms as factual material any more than you would use Grimm's fairy tales as a guide for rearing children. However, <laughs> However those are parables for doing just that. And she doesn't recognize that as that right now. Right. All of those fairy tales that we tell kids the stories of sound hideous on the surface. If you just listen to some of the words. Right. Humpty Dumpty was an egg and he fell down and broke and no one could put him back together again. So Humpty Dumpty, what, died in a puddle of goo. Right. But it's not true. Right. So the, all of the, the Grimm's, the Brothers Grimm tales were all parables and they have actual meanings to them when you look at them, not from their. Uh, from the perspective of what is the story just saying, like, you know, the headless horseman, you know, uh, this crazy headless horseman is running around with a pumpkin that's on fire and tossing it at everybody and chasing it by crane everywhere. That's on the surface what's happening. Pay attention to the words and what they're trying to teach you and the parable that is there. And you'll find a very, very deep meaning for something completely different, including um, what she's talking about here. And she doesn't recognize that. Why? Because those are done on a spiritual level. Even though the words sound kind of crazy, even, even the Alice in Wonderland story, right? Sounds like she's on just a drug trip from the 60s. On its surface, she got hit in the head when she fell down and she was having a dream while unconscious. This happens all, all the time. What is that? That's the parody. That's a parable for Jacob's Ladder. They made the movie Jacob's Ladder to show you that. If you see the movie Jacob's Ladder, it took place when, when uh, during Vietnam, and the entire thing was his struggle for life while he was in Vietnam, wounded and dying. And you don't realize that. You think that when he's at home and he's having uh, problems and his temperature's going up and they keep putting him in the shower and the bath with ice water to lower his temperature is the reality and the dream is Vietnam. It turns out it's the other way around. Vietnam is the reality and, and everyone in his mind saving his life is his struggle to stay alive. And eventually he climbs the ladder and he dies and goes to heaven. So that was the whole parable of that story from the Bible. And, th and that is the same story. 
right? When you see that, people don't realize that that's what the storyline is trying to tell you. It's Jacob's Ladder, right? So literally, the story that, that is the, that craziness that goes on in her knocked out unconscious state, that's the same story as Alice in, or not Alice in Wonderland, but the, um, but the uh, um, uh, Wizard of Oz. It's the same thing. She gets hit on the head and she has this adventure, but the adventure is, is a learning adventure. And it's a parable for the struggle of life back to away from darkness to light. Do you understand? It's in everything. All stories are, are spiritual and people don't realize that they are. And they're done that way on purpose. But if you see it on the surface, it seems idiotic. And you're like, you hey, wouldn't raise your kids on the fairy tales from the Brothers Grimm. Yeah, you would. Because they're actually very spiritual, but they appear not to be. They appear to be something that they're not. And they're done that way on purpose because the information gets into your head whether you know it or not. So it's veiled and it's hidden from you, but it's telling you something that is actually opposite from what you think you're reading. Do you understand that? And that's the same thing that happened with all of the prophets when they were told, I'm going to give you this information, but you're not going to understand any of it. This information is for a generation, generations from now, many generations later. All of the generations that are alive today will not be alive when this generation is alive that understands these words that I'm telling you. It's the same thing. Secret messages being locked up in the words, telling people a, a story, telling people something, giving you knowledge without being obvious that they're giving you knowledge. Sneaking knowledge in that's telling you what's really going on. Do you understand? However, on a planet where all of the Isbees have had their memory erased, one can understand how these tales and fantasies could be taken seriously. Unfortunately, the humans who learned the Vedic verses passed them along to others saying that they came from the gods. Eventually, the content of the verses were adopted verbatim as truth. The euphemistic and metaphorical content of the Veda were accepted and practiced as dogmatic fact. The philosophy of the verses were ignored, and the verses became the genesis of nearly every religion practice on the planet except Hinduism. As an officer, pilot, and an engineer... And there again, that's not a lie. It's very possible that that sort of thing happened. However... In those verses is still information, just like I talked about, that is there that has nothing to do with the humans or the aliens that, say, brought the, those actual texts here. They had them for a reason. They thought it was important enough to teach the humans these things. Why? That would suggest that some of the people that were in her domain believe in a higher source. Otherwise, why would they bring this stuff and give it to the humans that are here and try to have them uh, understand the information? There'd be no reason for them to do that. None whatsoever if they don't have any kind of spiritual aspect to them or any kind of creation story. Why would you even share stories with the human race unless you're trying to woo the women so you could have sex with them or, or, or have children with them? You wouldn't care. It's unimportant. It doesn't mean anything because there is nothing out there. So if there is nothing, then there's no reason to be carrying around dusty tomes and sharing them with other people unless somebody in that group was actually spiritual and not, and not an atheist. See, here again, 
the motivational ideology. Why? What would motivate them to bring a book all the way across the universe and, and be in, uh, be in a place where you're, you're hidden in the mountains and you're studying the human beings or you're there scouting the area out to see if you can take them over, whatever your reason is. She hasn't explained what that was yet. And then you interact with them and say, look here, I have this book and these things are, we're going to read them to you or tell you the story. And then they, they memorized those and wrote them down. And then it became the basis for a religion. That's very possible to have that happen like that. So now she's claiming that their people came here and they're responsible for our entire uh, uh, societal structure and our entire religious ideology. But she's also saying there is no God. Therefore, all of your stuff, in the same respect, all your stuff that you think is shit we brought you. Now she's claiming that they're responsible for, do you understand? Again, putting herself and her domain uh, expeditionary force in the, in the hero segment. We're either here as your slave owners or we're here as your saviors. She hasn't figured out which one's going to work yet, so she's padding both. She's, that's called hedging your bets. She's playing both sides. Whichever narrative will drive out the outcome that she wants, she'll take as long as she gets it. And that's what she's working towards here, right? But now she has to admit, or maybe it's a lie that none of that happened, but she's claiming it. Why? To what end? That's what we have to uncover here. Why would she be concerned with trying to push that her people in the dogma are what created all of our religions? When she said earlier, Right. Even in the last segment from last week alone. So just less than an hour ago on this video, she said that all the religions that we have were invented to screw us up. And they were invented by the old guard. Now she's claiming that the Vedic texts were brought here 8,500 or 600 years ago and that they spawned all of the religions. So, again, she just contradicted herself from what she told us not too long ago was how and why all of our religions were here. Do you see? Now she's changing the narrative again, and she doesn't even realize it. So she's not keeping her lies straight. Now, you have to remember, all this didn't happen in one setting. This happened over the course of months. Right? So she's forgetting what she lied about a week ago, a month ago. And she's still trying to drive a narrative. But I'm, see, I have a really good memory. Like Long John Silver, I have a long memory, right? I also think he had a long schlong, right? They called him Long John Silver for a reason. And, and they show in the movies and stuff that it was because he had a really good memory. And he said that at one point when they were, when he was talking to all the captains of all the ships and said, you will fight and you will fight for all of us who are free and to keep us free. And those of you who don't sign this ledger and volunteer to fight know that I have a long memory and I will find you and hunt you down to the, my dying breath, every single one of you, no matter where you are on the planet, and I will end you for not standing up and fighting to help us all become free. And that scared everybody, and that's where he got his name from. I also think that he was like Lancelot, and Lancelot was called that not because he liked to run around with lances and on horseback. It was because his lance in between his legs, he was lancing women all the time, okay? Um, I hear that Lancelot was actually um, a Mongolian, not white. He was Mongolian, and he fought with martial arts the style of martial arts now, right? So he was very, very mocking and avoiding of conflict. He would move out of the way instead of take a blow, and that pissed people off because they were used to standing up, lining up against each other, and just banging on each other's armor until somebody uh, got knocked over, right? 
So, and then women dug him because he was something different than what they were used to. And so you couldn't say his real name. So his real name had to have been an Asian name that the, those people couldn't understand. Right. I mean, that's the, that's the theory at this point. So Lancelot meant because he was, he was having sex all the time. Right. So I think long John Silver was because he had a long schlong and he was using it all the time. <laughs> Just like, uh, what's his name? Ivar the Boneless. Everyone says, oh, it was because his bones were brittle and they had to carry him on his, uh, on his shield because he couldn't walk. No, no. They found out after they had that theory, when they looked into it for the History Channel, because they, they were doing the show, they looked into it and they found out that he was impotent. He couldn't get a boner. So they called him Ivar the Boneless. He couldn't get a boner. And he was pissed off because he couldn't get a boner, so he was wreaking havoc on people, and he was mean, nasty, evil, and cantankerous because he could never have sex, because he couldn't get it up. That's the truth of it. Just like uh, uh, Ragnar Northbrook, that meant uh, Ragnar Northbrook meant rag, Ragnar soggy butt, soggy bottom. He made his own pants, and they hung off of him like he had a load of poop in his pants, or, or he peed himself. So they called him Ragnar so soggy bottom. That's no joke. So that's what Northbrook means. <laughs> Ragnar, soggy bottom. That's no joke. That's hilarious. When I found that out, I laughed out loud, right? One of the most uh, uh, iconic historical, like, you know, Leif Erikson, Leif Erikson and those guys in Ragnar, Northbrook, and it meant sog soggy bottom. Okay, let's continue and see where she's going to go with this now, right? Of the domain, I must always assume a very pragmatic point of view. I could not be effective or accomplish my missions if I were to use philosophical dogma or rhetoric as my operations manual. Therefore, our discussion of history is based on actual events. <laughs> Sorry, Cheryl, I didn't see what you had said. When I was a child, my dad told me life was all about sifting shit. <laughs> Picking shit with the chickens. That's what my grandmother used to say. Picking shit with the chickens. Well, that's kind of a Zen thing if you think about it. Right. If you if you're if you're sifting shit, you're sifting through shit. Right. So whether you're literally sifting shit from farm animals or if you're having the power to shift, you know, sift through things. Right. I mean, that, that it kind of is a parable, but I don't know what he meant by it. Maybe he meant literally sifting through shit, <laughs> but it is you have to sift through everything to find the truth. So life is about sifting through shit. Someone else's shit. Right. You got to sift through all the shit and all the bullshit to find the truth. So I don't know if that's what he meant and he was really wise or if he was saying it's like my grandmother said, you got to pick shit with the chickens. But that was what she meant, too. Right. You got to go pick shit with the chickens, because if you lower yourself to that to that place, you have no, nothing to do but think or just be either way. It's actually a, a good learning and teaching moment. That's why Mr. Miyagi had the wax on wax off. Right. It was it was he was. Yeah, he was working on cars and waxing up the cars and making them look good. But the practice of him doing that was building the muscle skills for the martial art form that he was teaching the child. Do you see? So that whole wax on wax off was to strengthen him in those movements over and over and over repetitively over and over and over in those movements, because those movements are blocks 
going up, you know, clockwise and counterclockwise with each hand and being able to do that in opposite directions at the same time with your hands. And that's why he was making him do wax on with one hand and wax off with the other hand. And then he had him switch and do it the other way around until they were tired. And once his hand was tired, too tired from going to the right, go to the left. And when it's too tired to go to your left hand, going to the right, go to the left. And he kept doing that over and over and over. And that eventually built up his dexterity, his speed. And he was able to quickly block blows using his hands up and down left and right. And so it seemed like a mundane thing that he was doing that was almost slave labor like, but the truth was it was building up his martial arts skills without him realizing that it was happening. And so then when he was also practicing martial arts, the movements became easier for him and he learned them quicker because he was doing them repetitively all day long. That's what that was all about. So picking shit with the chickens or sifting through shit is kind of the same. Do you understand? You can take anything that you do while you're doing it. You can then, and that's the point of it. That's like meditating. The purpose of meditating is to place yourself into a place that is outside of this reality that is above this reality. You can do that in anything that you do while you're doing it, as long as you don't have to stay focused and you can do something repetitively. Like you wouldn't want to try and do it while you're in, dri in traffic driving because you need to pay attention to what's going on in traffic. So you need to be frosty in that moment. Otherwise, you end up in a wreck. So you wouldn't want to do it there, but you can do it like if you're at work and you're literally sifting shit, picking shit, there's a repetitiveness to it that you can check out. You can let your body do the work that it's supposed to do, and you know you're not going to get hurt or get into trouble, and just pay attention vaguely to make sure that you don't do something, right? So, yeah, BS uh, from true shit. Yeah, right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, sifting through shit is is what we have to do sometimes. Literally shifting through real shit, you know, bullshit, right? <laughs> or, or, or shifting through or sifting through. Uh, you know, reality, it's all the same. It's all shit, right? Life's a shit sandwich and we all have to take a bite of it. That's the, you know, but we can't, we don't have to stay here. We just need to, to gain knowledge and learn. So we have to find those moments within ourselves to look within ourselves and gain those moments to be able to gain the knowledge that we need. Right. And that's what this whole exercise is about. Let's continue with what she's saying here. That occurred long before any Isbees arrived on Earth and long before the old empire came into power. I can relate part of this history from my personal experience. Many billions of years ago, I was a member of a very large biological laboratory in a galaxy far from this one. It was called the Arcadia Regeneration Company. I was a biological engineer working with a large staff of technicians. It was our business to manufacture and supply new life forms to uninhabited planets. There were millions of star systems with millions of uninhabited planets in the region at that time. There were many other biological laboratory companies at that time also. Each of them specialized in producing different kinds of life forms depending on the class of the planet being populated. Over a long span of time, these laboratories developed a vast catalog of species throughout the galaxies. The majority of the basic genetic material is common to all species of life. Therefore, most of their work was concerned with manipulating alterations of the basic genetic pattern to produce variations of life forms that would be suitable inhabitants for various planetary classes. 
The Arcadia Regeneration Company specialized in mammals for forested areas and birds for tropical regions. Our marketing staff negotiated contracts with various planetary governments and independent buyers from all over the universe. The technicians created animals that were compatible with the variations in the climate, atmospheric and terrestrial density, and chemical content. In addition, they were paid to integrate our specimens with biological organisms engineered by other companies already living on a planet. In order to do this, our staff was in communication with other companies who created life forms. There were industry trade shows, publications, and a variety of other information supplied through an association that coordinated related projects. As you can imagine, our research required a great deal of interstellar travel to conduct planetary surveys. This is when I learned my skills as a pilot. The data gathered was accumulated in huge computer databases and evaluated by biological engineers. Okay, so here, her description of what's happening is a very three-dimensional description. If she claims to be 12 trillion years old or more, hundreds of trillions of years old, I'm not buying that nothing changes on any galactic level because she keeps continuing to claim that she's just energy. So if, and this is where I'm going to get annoyed and draw a line, because if... And I've said this before, if I get out of this place and I find out that no matter how high I go up on the vibratory plane, everything stays the same as this, I'm going to be very disappointed in in the universe itself. Okay, because she's claiming and talking as if they had these large corporations that did all this stuff. So basically, everything that we have glowing on on Earth right now, if we had the technology, we would be making and cloning animals as well. We're already starting to do that. So now what she's claiming is that they're they're they had grown to the point where they had expanded so much that instead of having a global market like we do here on Earth, where, say, Facebook is is in every country and whatever YouTube's in every country, that the products of their animal making was on every planet throughout the entire known universe. Right. And so they're supposed to be this benevolent. She's supposed to be part of this. We're so high up. We're just energy now. But everything that she's describing as far as commerce is concerned is is something that we've done on this planet from for for, from the beginning of time. Do you understand? We learned the barter system and then and in some way you would get paid for your services by doing things either through the barter system or eventually through the monetary system. And so what you're telling me is that on no matter what scale we go up to, it's all exactly the same as it is here on Earth. If that's the case, I'm going to be kind of annoyed because I believe that uh, that unless that's just on the evil side. Uh, because I believe that as I would ascend to a higher place as far as in my ascension, if I've already changed from not knowing anything as a baby soul to waking up to what I have now and that kind of expansion, are you going to then tell me that that expansion from here is no more and that this is as far as we're going to get because everything that you're saying that you have going on a billion, billion years ago was the stuff that we're doing right now. And you're saying you're from you're just light energy. And that means you've been light energy for probably that amount of time. Unless you're going back so far in time to where you're talking about when you were in a three third dimensional plane of existence, but she's not saying that. You understand? So she makes it sound like it's been like she doesn't explain you're a long ways away. 
So she's not giving any inkling as to what happens as far as an evolutionary process, again, because she's trying to take the spirituality out of it. So she has to tell this story as if it's in our time that we can relate to, because if she doesn't do that, and or she and again, she would have to then explain why if she's going to then be cross-examined. If I were to cross-examine her at this point, I would stop the questioning and say, hold on a second. So when you were doing this, were you still in the light body that you're in now and that you were occupying some avatar like you are doing here in our presence? Or was this far enough back to where you were in this particular place of vibration that I'm in now when you were there? I would be asking these questions because it's very pertinent to know her, what her response is going to be because, again, she's acting as if nothing has changed for her and that she's been this light energy the entire time and there's no evolutionary process. Nowhere is she getting wiser and wiser and wiser. Nowhere is she ascending in any way because why? If that were happening, she would have to then admit there's something spiritual, something astrological, something beyond us. And she can't do that because she's trying to claim there is no anything above her. She's not the one. We all are. But there's nothing above us. There is no collective consciousness of the mind. We just all are. Do you see? And then how do we get created? We just created ourselves. Well, how did that happen? Just never mind that now. Let me tell you about something else. There's no cross-examination. There's no background. There's nothing to corroborate what she's saying. She's just giving us, an, as a matter of fact, I worked for this company, and we were, we were having um, projects. We were having seminars, and people were attending, and we had commercial operations, and we had all this stuff. Well, that's everything you would do here in a 3D reality. So you're telling me that on a 12D reality, it still acts the same exact way? No difference? I'm not buying that because of the expansion of just my mind and what I realize now compared to when I was born just in this lifetime. Do you see? But that doesn't fit her narrative. Let's continue. A computer is an electronic device that serves as an artificial brain or complex calculating machine. It is capable of storing information, making computations, solving problems, and performing mechanical functions. 1947. <laughs> In most of the galactic systems of the universe, very large computers. That's funny. Did you see how that came up? I didn't put that on the screen. That was something that the person making the video put up on the screen, and then the computer read it. <laughs> Did you see that? 1947. <laughs> that was funny. All right, here we go. Computers are commonly used to run the routine administration, mechanical services, and maintenance activities of the entire planet or planetary system. Based on the survey data gathered, Designs and artistic renderings were made for new creatures. Some designs were sold to the highest bidder. Other life forms were created to meet the customized requests of our clients. The design and technical specifications were passed along an assembly line through a series of cellular, chemical, and mechanical engineers to solve the various problems. It was their job to integrate all the component factors into a workable, functional, and aesthetic finished product. 
Prototypes of these creatures were then produced and tested in artificially created environments. Imperfections were worked out, modifications made, and eventually a new life form was endowed or animated with a life force or spiritual energy before being introduced into the actual planetary environment for final testing. After a new life form was introduced, we monitored the interaction of these biological organisms with the planetary environment and with other indigenous life forms. Conflicts resulting from the interaction between incompatible organisms were resolved through negotiation between ourselves and other companies. The negotiations usually resulted in compromises requiring further modification to our creatures or to theirs or both. This is a part of science or art you call eugenics. In some cases, changes were made in a planetary environment, but not often, as planet building is much more complex than making changes to an individual life form. Okay, I think we're going to stop there, and I'll back it up a little bit when we start on next Friday. Um, I'll back it up to probably about five minutes prior, and then that way we can go back over this stuff right here that we're talking about, because it's in the middle of of, uh, what they're talking about here. So let me write down the time here. Okay. All right. So, yeah, we'll call it there. We'll call it at the two-hour mark this week, and then we'll pick it back up. So, um, yeah, right? So we'll go. We'll continue with this line of thinking um, about, or, but, you know, again, it's all seems very Earth-like, very three-dimensional-like um, in its origin and it's, it's, uh, the way it's playing out. So we don't know where, when, you know, we know when that was, but we don't know what, in what place she was in uh, as far as evolution, whether she was in a third dimension or if we're still supposed to assume she was still in the energy form. Then maybe it'll ring out a little bit, but we'll figure that out. Okay, guys. So I'll see you guys on Wednesday. If you guys want to tune in, we're going to talk about dreams on Wednesday. So please show up with your, your dreams for us to talk about, and we'll go over that and I'll give you my my shamanistic point of view. That's only because of the, the shamanistic point of view about dreams and how dreams are interpreted or how they should be um, worked and interpreted and paying, paying attention to them a lot more than people do. Um, if you read books, there's always negative stuff. I used to read books on how, what things meant in dreams, and I rarely found anything that wasn't negative. It was always negative. I was like, what is this? Your dreams are not always negative. They don't always mean negative things. It's your, your brain is trying to figure stuff out and tell you stories, and there's different types of ways in your mind that your dreams uh, portray, right? So we'll get we'll get into that on um, Wednesday. Well, I'll explain that too. And then we'll take each dream that somebody has uh, and I'll even maybe come up with some of my dreams and, and show that there's different, there's different ways in which your mind dreams to you to interpret um, the, whatever it is that your mind is working on at the time. And then there's reasons for that stuff too. It could be past life regression. It could be things that are coming up, traumas from your life now. uh, And it could be problems that you're working on. And then it could be psychic things as well. So there's a lot of factors that factor into your dream and the way your dream comes across as either being metaphoric or a couple of other ways um, that will tend to tell us how to interpret that. Right. So we just have to learn those things. So we'll go over that more uh, next week because that's what we'll be. That'll be the discussion. Uh, on Wednesday will be um, dreams in the dream world. Okay. So then we'll pick up back here with Errol, the alien, giving the interview, the dissertation from 1947 on next Friday. Right. Okay, guys. So I love you guys. Have a great weekend. Um, share this out, share this out, share this out. 
and um, tune in on Wednesday if you want to, um, you know, get into the spiritualism of dreams or the interpretation of dreams. And if not, I'll see you next Friday uh, back here at 4 p.m. Uh, West Coast America time to uh, deal with some more of the uh, the Errol concept of reality. Like, see, we went 15 minutes. It took us two hours to do that. Right. And that's OK. Uh, the longer it takes, the more we're going to ring out. That's why I expected this to go on for a while and not just zip through it. If you guys just want to zip through this and sit for four hours, and listen to it. You can, by all means, look this up on uh, YouTube and just, uh, uh, you know, read it without me. But I'm here to, to try and work into, look, these are the motivations that I see in the background, uh, you know, uh, from a spiritual standpoint or, or a, you know, from a, a standpoint of a spiritualist and also from the standpoint of a, you know, of a, a, psycholo a psychologist because of everything that she's saying and not saying, what she's, how she's saying it. So all that's important. And that's why I'm breaking this down. So, so that you guys can kind of ring out a little bit more information and we can too. Even someone who's trying to lie to us and tell us nothing but lies. They have to give us stuff that we know is, is true because otherwise we would just think that they're full of shit and making it all up. So they have to give you some juicy details that even if it's stuff you, they think that you want to hear or stuff that they think you need to hear in them doing that, there's a tell. You see, so it doesn't matter what someone says or if they say anything at all or or how it, it's a matter of, of of not just what they say, but how they say it, when they say it and why. That's what gives you the real details as to what's going on. And that's what I'm doing here with this is interpreting that in a way, you know, that is a skeptical mind, not that she's, you know, not that she's fake, but that the information that she's giving us is not the whole truth. And then when I catch her in lies, you catch somebody in a lie more than once. Uh, the first time could be a mistake. The second time, you know, it's not a mistake. That's why they say, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That's why that works out that way. Because if you allow somebody to continue fooling you and you, and you, don't, and you don't see it and catch it, that's your fault. And then you're going to be duped by that person. But if you catch the lie the first time and say, maybe it was a mistake, then they have another lie and you go, okay, I can see how like she made a mistake with, with Nefertiti and Nefertiti. So I get that. Common people nowadays make that same mistake. I even went, wait a minute. I think that's something wrong with the name there. And, and I knew that then instinctively that there was a Nefertiti and a Nefertiti. And so I went, wait, I'm going to look this up because I'm not exactly sure now which name is associated with who. And we all looked it up and came back and went, see, she was not wrong because she was trying to be. She she took the two names as the one person and crossed the two storylines when they were separated by a thousand years. OK, so um, I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I know I'll catch those of you on Wednesday who want to hear about that. And if not, I'll catch you guys on Friday. Uh, namaste. Have a great weekend.